Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. One on, nobody out. The 2-0 pitch. Here's a swing, a long fly ball into left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, baby. Get up, get up, get up. Oh, yeah. This one is going to go. Oh, my. He got all of that one. Now, Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. All right, kicking off the Cardinals countdown to opening day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals radio network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And Claibs, uh, we got a hell of a show loaded up for today, man. We have got some big-time personalities. We're getting everybody prepped for the virtual winter warm-up. Of course, it's going to be involving a lot of these personalities. So can't wait to get that going this weekend and can't wait to talk to all of our great guests today, man. How you doing? I'm excited about the winter warm-up because for me, it's the start, the official start of the baseball season. It's the first major event. Yeah, obviously it's going to be done differently, but I think with all the things that uh, the good folks at Cardinals care are throwing together, I think it's going to be a fun venture. And, and I'm willing to bet, Kevin, at some point, some of the things we do over the next few days, uh, we will be carrying on and we'll be part of a, a tradition as far as a winter warm up, even when we're all together in the same room. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting look at, at an experience. It, it won't be, you know, the face to face, get an autograph, but but the but you also I think get a little bit better exposure to the personalities too, right? As we'll talk about with some of the people that are on the show today, some of them you're going to be able to get inside the home a little bit with these guys. Uh, you'll be able to have a longer exposure too because these things are going to be 45 to minutes to an hour long. So it, I think we're look. I'm looking forward to it, man. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. Me too. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. It's going to be fun, and just catching up with people we haven't seen in a while. I mean, yeah. Let's face it. I haven't seen anybody. Well, I've seen a few players in person, but for the most part, I haven't seen anybody since March. For sure. And coming up on the show today. Uh, a few minutes, we'll be bringing Lance Berkman into the mix. He's going to be a part of the virtual winter warm-up. Brad Thompson, same thing. Uh, we're going to hear from Ozzie Smith, Harrison Bader, and Jason Mott next hour. Let's just start off real quick before we get into all the great conversations we have coming up. Uh, not a whole lot of news in the hot stove since we talked last week. Um, again, you know, Liam Hendricks, the top closer in the marketplace, is now off the market. He's a White Sox relief pitcher now, so he'll be closing for Tony Larusa and the White Sox. Um, not a lot happening at the top end of the free agent marketplace, and to be honest, not a lot happening at any level right now. It's still quiet. Yeah, I, I think uh, you throw in the Lindor trade, and 
Uh, the Mets are making a statement. But I, I think, Kevin, more than anything else, I'm a little surprised at how many teams have elected to step back this year and, yeah. and, and elect not to truly compete and participate in a manner we would all expect them to. Yeah, and, and it's I think that's a good point because really what are we talking about right now? Five teams that have really been uh, kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit, right? I mean, there just mm-hmm. aren't, aren't that many things. Now, maybe this is simply two claves strategy in addition to you know what we've talked about with with Mo and Gersh and and Bill DeWitt uh, you know there's still some figuring out going on right we just found out this week what the rules are going to be for Major League Baseball allowing fans back into stadiums and really just the basic stuff came out on that on Tuesday where you know they're 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 going to require masks they're going to have social distance like pod seating for games but it'll also be subject to the local rules for each team, too. So every city, county, state uh, will have its own rules. So we don't know exactly what it looks like, but we do know that Major League Baseball is opening that, and they did not allow that last year. So we, I think we're pretty safe in assuming that there will be some fans in the ballpark at some point this year in pretty much every market. I think so. I think it'll be interesting to see how they approach spring training, which is the closest event we're going to deal with. And right, right. I, you know, but I go back to my original point, and I've thrown this out. I don't know why they don't move this thing back at least a month to give themselves more prep time, to give themselves an opportunity to have more people who perhaps would be vaccinated. Uh, and you can still get your 162 in. I know the players are dead set on this, but yeah, you know, if you can get more fans in the ballpark, there's more revenue to be driven. And uh, I think that bodes well for everybody. Yeah. I think that there are a couple of things that, that are kind of being reported about that out there. One is that the TV partners are pushing to get everybody's sport back on a normal schedule? So they're not the TV partners. Apparently, are not a big fan of baseball in November because they don't want it stepping on basketball and you know the, the big part of the NFL and college football season. And I, I get it, man. It's a, it's a you know you're right. It, it could be a better thing for fans if you start in you know early May instead of early April. Um, but obviously, you know, they're, you're, you're pleasing multiple bosses here, uh, including the 30 owners, by the way. But obviously, money is at the bottom, or at the root of where they're trying to figure this out. And how do you figure it out, right? I mean, there's money involved in getting butts and seats. There's also money involved from your TV partners, and you want to keep them happy, too. Yeah, especially when you have TV deals that are about to come up. Uh, and I think it'll be yeah. very interesting to see how many of these networks make a competitive offer. Uh, we've already heard one network is thinking about reducing its offer. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the owners want to make sure they're on good footing, along with the players, to make sure that the next deal is one that's going to work for everyone. Well, we'll find out. Spring training is about five weeks away. So as, as of now, everything is supposed to be happening as scheduled. But as we know, uh, since last March, that's all day to day. <laughs> we, yep. We're not going to assume anything. We're just going to go with the plan now and hope that it works out for the best. All right, we got a lot to do here on the show today. Uh, Lance Berkman's going to join us when we come back. He's going to be a part of the virtual winter warm-up. We'll talk to him about that and, of course, talk a little ball. That's coming up next here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. It's the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. We're building up to... Uh, the virtual winter warm-up that starts on Friday and runs through uh, the end of the afternoon on Monday. And, of course, everything's going to kick off on Friday night with the 2011 World Series reunion. 
and very much looking forward to that. One of the guys participating, certainly one of the one of the guys that I enjoyed covering more than anybody that's come through St. Louis is Lance Berkman, and Lance kind enough to join us here on the countdown to opening day show. First of all, Lance, thank you for doing this, man. Happy New Year. Hey, same to you guys. I appreciate you having me on. Hey, well, Lance, uh, we're honoring the 2011 team, and, and obviously you remember that team really well. Give me some good moments because you were a guy that really was what the doctor ordered. You loosened up the clubhouse and uh, you took on some challenges that people were thinking, well, wait a minute, he's going to play where? And uh, you just went, you, you were just what the doctor ordered. So give me some memories about that year. It, obviously a great year anytime you can win a world championship, but, but above the accomplishments of the team, the, the character of that team is what stands out to me and just the group of guys that, that we put together. There were so many um, – guys that uh, were so much fun to come to the ballpark and be with every day and and over the course of a long season that that's important so I, I don't know that I've ever had more fun uh, with a group in a, in a single season than we did that year and uh, I, did, I think that's that more than anything else stands out to me is the quality of people I still have great friends that uh, you know that I'm in touch with often uh, from that team and it's just a you know it's a bond that, that we'll always share. You know, going back to that spring training, Lance, I know that at the time the big question was uh, you're coming off knee surgery, moving back to the outfield. What's the wor- Is there any worry about all of that? I know you handled those questions from the beginning very well. In fact, I remember the very first day when the whole scrum of us were surrounding you that you made it loud enough, said it loud enough so that Chris Carpenter would hear you when you're walking by saying something along the lines of, well, they're not my earned runs if the ball falls in, so I'm not going to worry about it too much. You got a nice laugh out of Chris, and obviously – you made an impression on the teammates. How important uh, is that kind of camaraderie and stuff, even when you barely know guys, you haven't been around them very much, but to let everybody know that, hey, man, we're all going to have fun? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a long season. Um, you know, you're with, you're with your teammates more than you're with your family, so you better enjoy the guys that, uh, that, you're, that you're with. And so um, I, the, the, the thing that was a kind of a unique for me was having been – in the NL Central for as long as I was. We had played against the Cardinals my whole career, and so I felt like I already knew most of the guys that were on the team just from competing against them. And you obviously develop uh, relationships even with players on opposing teams uh, just just from the competition. So uh, it, it, it was a really a natural fit for me, and I'd already been around a lot of those guys. And, and so uh, just had a lot of fun right from day one, telling stories and, uh, you know, kind of goofing around and, and keeping everybody loose. And uh, then I was one of many guys that we had on that team that, that were up to that type of hijinks. So it, that's what made it such a, a great year. And we were pretty good at baseball too. So yeah. you, you, you can have fun and it's a lot more fun when you win. And uh, so having that group and, and also being able to, to win like we did, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely the highlight of, of my professional career. That year was was such an interesting one. I mean, you guys, did you guys had a loaded team. I mean, you had a good starting lineup, good rotation, good bullpen, and a lineup that actually had guys. I, never, I think it was during the World Series. You know, this was before Alan Craig had really had a chance to emerge, but you had said something about, man, that guy would be hitting cleanup on a lot of teams, and he has to come off the bench on this team. That team, for all the fun and the rally squirrel and all of that, man, you guys could hit. Oh, yeah, that was a, that was a very deep lineup, and that was one of those things that, the the other thing that kind of stands out to me about that season is we had, we were really underperforming for most of the year. We yeah. kind of got to the point where you're looking around and you're like, my goodness, you know, look at all this talent. When are we going to start putting it together a little bit? 
And, uh, of course, we got ourselves in a, in a pretty bad situation being 10 games out right there at the end of August. And, and um, then, you know, people, when we went on that good run and, and people were like, oh, it's a miracle and miracle team and this and that. And I, my, my thought was we're, we have the best team in baseball. We just haven't played like it until this point. And so this is just us making up ground. It's not like we're on, you know, kind of a catch lightning in a bottle type thing that you see with some teams. I mean, we, we were a really good, solid team. And it was kind of a head scratcher for a while there to figure out why aren't we playing better? Um, but when we put it together and we figured it out, it was it was a pretty fun ride. You and I have talked hitting a few times, and I've watched you talk hitting to not only big leaguers but also guys in fantasy camps. And each time I walk away shaking my head saying, why isn't this guy in the big leagues doing something? Now, I know you're coaching high school, and maybe that's, that's an even greater challenge in teaching <laughs> at that level. But what are some of the things that you've been able to carry with you to be able to pass on good hitting technique? Well, I think the main thing, and, and, and it's really, like it's, it's, it's fixing to become a novelty. It, it wasn't, but it's fixing to be, and that is simplicity. Like there is so much information, and a lot of it's bad information about the swing and about how mm-hmm. to teach hitting mechanics and, and all that. And I know just from having done it and, and having, you know, there, you can't think about a whole lot. So the, if you can communicate what you're after in the, in the simplest possible terms, uh, a lot of times, you know, that doesn't get you a lot of Twitter followers and it's not a, a sexy way to talk about hitting and it's not some revolutionary thing. But I've found that, you know, when you can communicate uh, the, the foundation or the fundamentals of hitting in, in a simple way that, that people can understand and give them small tidbits to think about as opposed to like some, you know, long biokinetic explanation for why you're doing this or that, it's little tweaks here and there. And so that's that's my philosophy is to try to make it as simple to understand as possible because let's face it, I mean, now you would never know this by looking at Twitter and all that, but hitting is not rocket science. I mean, the, the swing mechanics, it's really not that complicated. Now, executing those mechanics is extremely complicated. It's one, of the, it's one of the hardest, if not the hardest thing to do in sports. But talking about what should happen in the swing is not that complicated. And I think, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people do, you know, try and reinvent the wheel. But I, I, my, my philosophy is keep it simple. There's three or four kind of tenants or base things that you have to do to be a good hitter. And if you can do that and talk about those things in a simple way, uh, you're going to make a lot of headway with players. You know, your career, Lance, you kind of were in the beginning of and the, really even the middle of this kind of increased effort or emphasis on pitching velocity, right? I mean, you start kind of in the mid-2000s and all of a sudden you got a few more guys pumping 100 and now you got several guys on each team that are doing that. How much has that? I mean, I don't know how much has that changed since you finished up in 2013, and how much of a factor is that when you when you're looking at young hitters and what they have to be ready for when it's time? You know, the game certainly has uh, more hard throws. I think the average fastball has gone up a, a mile an hour since since I quit playing. And, you know, we were we were facing plenty of guys that threw hard, and every bullpen had one or two guys yep. that threw hard. I think the the biggest thing uh, that I'm seeing is the starting pitcher velocity has gone up you know like it used to be um when i was playing i felt like most guys that were coming out of the bullpen were were 95 or better you know most right handers anyway mm-hmm. um or could could run it up there when they wanted to that that hard but your starting pitchers were generally you know like a hard throwing starter would be around 94 now you're seeing these starters that are that are pitching at 96 97 and there were, and there were a handful of those back then but there just seems like there's more of them um but at the end of the day, you know, all velocity does is buy you margin of error. So you can get away with a few more mistakes when you're throwing harder. But these big league hitters are really good. And if you don't pitch, as, as we've seen, 
uh, and and a lot of these you just watch watch the game. You know, watch a lot of these yeah. postseason games where you got these hard throwers and they're out by the second inning uh, because when you're not when you don't pitch, big league hitters are still going to hit it. So uh, yes, I think the velocity is a, is a factor in terms of what maybe a little bit more of a challenge uh, for for the younger hitters than than when I played. But at the same time, like I know, I remember when I was playing, I'd rather face a guy that was throwing 97, 98 with no breaking ball and no clue where his fastball was going because he's got throw me a ball right down the middle. And I, I mean, if you throw a big league hitter a fastball and you don't and you don't have command and you're not pitching, they're going to eat your lunch. And so it kind of, for me, it eliminated like, okay, I don't have to worry. About, I didn't go out there and just let it all hang out against this guy. You don't have to worry about him pitching to you. So uh, I think there's still some of that that. that that's true, and, and velocity is not the cure-all for pitching. It's still you see the guys that can locate fastball at whatever the velocity is and can throw a secondary pitch, uh, a secondary pitch or two, really, if you're a starter. Uh, those are the guys that are most effective in terms of, um, you know, wins and losses and low ERA and that sort of thing. In your opinion, what's the toughest pitch to hit these days, and why do guys make the same mistake all the time in making it a tough pitch to hit? Should they not swing at it and make it be more of a strike, or should they try and not pull it? Or You tell me. The toughest pitch to hit, I think, in baseball is a good split-finger fastball, and uh, a good changeup can have the same effect. And, and the, the problem is the action happens so fast from when you're a hitter. I mean, you got less than a second to make, it, make up your mind you know, is that a ball or a strike, and what kind of pitch is it? Do I want to swing or not, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's it, it happens really, really fast. And so, what you're you're not really relying on a conscious decision to swing. You're relying on um, your your brain to basically identify your eyes, identify and tells your brain, oh, that's a fastball, and then your body kind of takes over. Like you just, it's just pitch recognition. So, mm-hmm. if your if your eyes and your brain are saying fastball, and then in the last ten or twelve feet, the thing disappears. It's really a tough pitch. It's why it's why nobody could really hit Mariano Rivera's cutter because it was spinning so tightly that you couldn't recognize that it was going to cut in on you. So what you what you see as a hitter is you just see a ball and it looks like it's going to be kind of over the plate and then you go to swing at it and it's right in on your hands. Your your, your brain is not capable of making those kind of calculations that quickly in terms of like and making your swing you know alter itself a little bit. So point being like. When the spin's really tight, like on a good uh, split finger where you can't see the tumble, or, I mean, you know, any, anybody that throws a real tight slider, you can't really see the spin on it. Uh, the ball breaks, and your brain's saying it's one thing, and it turns out to be another. So if there's not a whole lot you can do to defend against that. That's why a good split, because that's why I think it's a tough pitch. If a guy hangs it and you're swinging, I mean, you got a chance there. But if he's throwing a good one and it fools your eyes, well, then you're out. So, um, there, there's not a whole lot to defense against that other than just good concentration and trying to pick up, you know, any little clue or hint that the ball might give you that it's not a fastball. And, uh, and then you got a chance to, to let your body react the right way. But that to me is the toughest pitch in the game, man. That is fantastic stuff. we we'll look forward to hearing a little bit more from you, Lance, and some of your teammates coming up six o'clock. Uh, this Friday, it's the beginning, the first part of the winter warm-up virtual experience. It'll be the 2011 World Series reunion. Uh, you'll be a part of it along with David Fries, Kyle McClellan, Jason Mott, who we're going to talk to next hour, uh, Alan Craig and others. It'll be moderated by Danny McLaughlin. So very much looking forward to that, man. And thank you for doing this. We appreciate you. Happy New Year. Stay healthy. And we'll look forward to talking, hitting with you again somewhere down the road, man. Hey, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. Always great to catch up with Lance Berkman. Not only a great player, uh, but also one of the best personalities that uh, I've ever come across in any sport 
uh, over 25 years in this business. I want to remind you all that you can gear up for the season with a subscription to Cardinals Magazine, your premier source for Cardinals coverage in season and out. You can sign up at cardinals.com slash magazine or 314-345-9000. Coming up next, we're going to hear from another great personality, one of my buddies, Brad Thompson will join us when we come back here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. It's Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here and happy to have our good friend Brad Thompson with us. BT gets to join us. Now, BT, you got a tough act to follow today. First of all, we're going to talk about what you'll be doing in the virtual winter warm-up with Paul DeYoung. Uh, it'll be the, the last of the virtual events coming up on Monday afternoon. Should be a hell of a lot of fun, and timing is appropriate because it'll be right around dinner time when you guys are doing the, the In the Kitchen with Paul DeYoung. So we'll get to that in a minute. But just want to let you know right up front, you've got all the pressure of following Lance Berkman today, so sorry about that. Oh, great. Did you guys talk to him at all about me giving up multiple home runs to Lance Berkman? Because Lance was, Lance was one of those guys for me. And as, as both of you know, the list is long, okay? The, the list of guys that gave me nightmares as opposed to the list of guys that I gave nightmares to is, is way different. But Lance was on that list of a guy that every time he'd come up, I'm like, ah, dang it. Here he comes again. All right, sinker away. He's going to put that in the Crawford boxes. A fastball in, he's going to turn and hit a home run. Uh, I can't stand Lance Berkman. I hope it was a horrible interview. <laughs> well, well, now that we got that figured out, here's a question for you as a reliever. <laughs> when you face a good hitter, what, what's worse, him hitting your best pitch, the one that you really thought that you could get by, or him hitting a pitch that he wasn't supposed to hit? For me, it's the, the, one, that, the, the one that was your best pitch. And they're both frustrating, right? But it, it, I, I understand that there are some people that, like, tip their cap. It's like, ah, oh, he did the best against my best. But that angers me a tiny bit when I threw one that, uh, that I know you shouldn't hit out of the ballpark and you ended up getting me on. So they're both maddening. I still remember Jim Tomey hit a home run off me this when I was with the Royals. And it was a, a sinker. I mean, this thing was perfect. It was at the knees. It was off the black away, like a perfect, perfect pitch. And he hit a rocket in uh, the other way, uh, you know, or a rocket into the bullpen. And I couldn't believe it. And I'm still mad about it to this day. Boys, I got anger issues, and you're uh, bringing them up again with the home run. <laughs> uh, well, we, that, that's, I mean, my, my apologies, BT. I, I do remember covering the team, uh, especially the 06 team. Uh, you were a young feller, uh, big-time strike thrower, but – you, you 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 looked a lot younger than you were, even though you were young. What were you twenty twenty four something like that in that in that range around two thousand six? But you, you did look yep, a little younger. But but you turned all kind of red when you were angry, though. Yeah, that's gotten better over the years. You know, it's amazing. Good. Uh, the the less home runs that I've given up in the last couple of years, the less angry I have been. So you know, very mellow nowadays. Hey, I want to ask you about the uh, winter warm up and your involvement with. Uh... Paul DeYoung. So is this going to be a cooking show where you'll actually be deeply involved or will you just be handing him the salt, the pepper, and a stick of butter or a cup of cream? How's this going to work? Look, I think I'm going to virtually be quarterbacking from my kitchen. Now, I don't know exactly how this is going to go down, to be totally honest with you. I think that Paul has got his own recipes. He's got his own thing that he's trying to break down. 
and I'm going to follow along. I'm going to take notes, and he's one of the smarter guys around. We all know that his background, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's an experimenter. I wonder if he experiments in the kitchen or if he's a guy that has to go straight by the recipe. So we're going to find out in this one. Paul's an interesting guy. You guys have both spent time talking to him. So I think that's going to be fun. I, I know for, for a lot of fans that – Love this weekend, right? Coming down to downtown St. Louis, being a part of uh, of winter warm-up. We don't get a chance to do it this year. But we're going to get to see different sides of players. We're yeah. going to get to see in some of their homes. Like, stuff that you just don't get a chance to see normally. So, while it's not our, our regular thing, I think it's going to be awesome, man. I'm excited to do this event with Paul DeYoung. Yeah, it's coming up. So, it'll be 4.30 on Monday the 18th. It's called In the Kitchen with Paul DeYoung. Obviously, BT is the moderator there. The two of them will be working. So you guys, I think it's fitting. They put you guys right before dinner. So you guys can cook something up, show people how to do it, and then if they want to follow along, there they go. They got all the instructions right in front of them. Look, I I think it's a great idea. I hope that Paul shares his recipe first so I could do a little bit of shopping. I want to be prepared. (laughs) The last thing I need is for him to throw to an ingredient. Say, Brad, you got it? No, no, because I'm not smart enough in the kitchen. I don't know how you guys are. Uh, I can't come up with, uh, like, a substitute for something. You know, my mom was always great at whatever is in the house. She can make a fantastic meal out of it. If I don't have everything that's on a recipe, I'm going to the store, boys. That's just how I work. What is your go-to meal if all else fails and you've got to feed your family and a guest? What's it going to be? Well, look, if I'm feeding family and a guest, for me, I'm typical guy on this one. I'm going to go fire up the grill, right? I'm going to throw steaks out there. If i got some more time, I love putting stuff in the smoker. I'll do ribs or, or I'll do uh, you know a brisket or a pork shoulder, something like that. I enjoy if I'm going to tinker in the kitchen, I'm going like chicken parmesan. I did tinker the other day, guys. I made a homemade from scratch orange chicken. Ooh. Turned out okay. Might have used a little bit too much of the the, uh, the rind, right? A little bit too orangey, but it was okay. Mix and match. But uh, to be totally honest, my wife does 99.9% of the cooking, and everybody seems to be very happy with that. Yeah. Maybe except for her. <laughs> yeah, well, I mess up a good thing. Yeah, that's, that's it. right. At least, at least that all she can dishes. stay in control of all of that too. And and Brad Thompson, of course, 2006 World Series champion with the Cardinals, with us. Uh, you obviously can hear him doing his afternoon show, The Fast Lane, on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. We'll see you on Fox Sports Midwest as well. What are you thinking about this off season so far, man? I know you know we're all waiting for something to happen with the Cardinals, but really the whole Central Division has been just silent. No, it has, and uh, I guess at this point it's not the highest bar to overcome right now when you're looking at the Central. Uh, but I, I guess you look at it and say at the very least, hey, the Cardinals aren't hemorrhaging pieces. You know, you look at you Darvish getting traded over to the Padres, and they don't end up getting a top ten uh, uh, prospect back. In the meantime, you've seen that you know the the uh, Reds. They're not going to bring back Bauer. Uh, Archie Bradley, one of the better relievers around, he gets non-tendered. They trade Rysel Iglesias. Look, it's been slow moving, and you guys talk about this every single day. Aside from the Padres, the Mets, the White Sox, uh, the Dodgers were already loaded, but they you know they they bring back in uh, Trinan. There's only a handful of teams that are really making any moves. Yeah. And uh, the big thing I look at, boys, is at some point, something's got to break, right? The commissioner comes down and said, hey, we're, we're looking to play a full 162. That's the plan. Well, guys are going to have to end up getting jobs at some point. So the waiting game has got to come to a head, hopefully sooner rather than later. So I would love to talk about a new Cardinal acquisition, even if that new Cardinal acquisition is an older Cardinal catcher or pitcher.
Ah, well, you, uh, we'll close on that then, BT, because I, I wanted to mention your two former teammates. Obviously, Adam Wainwright came up in 2006. Uh, ob- and, you know, you guys were teammates and bullpen mates that year, and you were around and through t- through 2009. So you spent a lot of time around those two guys. You threw a lot to, to Yadier Molina. Just from your perspective, knowing them the way you do and having seen them come up at the same time you were coming up, how big of a deal is it to keep those guys around? I think it's a huge deal. I, I do. And it's not the be-all, end-all, right? If they end up signing elsewhere and finish their careers in another jersey, while well, it's going to feel weird, their legacy will never be tarnished. There's nothing right. these guys could do to make Cardinal Nation not love them. But it, it, it's not just a legacy thing. When I look at bringing back Yadier Molina and I look at bringing back Adam Wainwright, to me, it's a competitive on the field for 2021 thing. These guys make you better. Adam Wainwright is the would be the lone guy on the staff that you could just let loose and say, Wayno, give us what you got today. You're not going to do that with Jack Flaherty still to this point uh, off of a shortened year. Michaelis is coming off of the surgery, not sure what to expect from Kim, and then you got some young guys. I think you need them. And when you have all of these pieces that are going to have to put the puzzle together for 2021 when it comes to the pitching staff, I want Yadier Molina behind the plate to be able to man that ship and to, to get them going in the right direction. So until they sign elsewhere, gentlemen, I am going to go about the season expecting them to be there, and I'd rather not be disappointed. Right there with you. Uh, you guys can find Brad Thompson on Twitter at BThompson48. And, of course, you'll be able to find him uh, at the, during the Cardinals' virtual winter warm-up, 4.30 on Monday in the kitchen with Paul DeYoung. It'll be moderated and hosted by Brad Thompson. Uh, everybody can sign up now. And also, by the way, post your questions for anybody that's going to be involved at cardinals.com slash WWU, and then just click on the virtual experiences. You can get it all there. BT, good to talk to you, buddy. Always a pleasure. We'll definitely look forward to doing it again soon, my man. Sounds good. Wheels, Claves, you guys take care of yourself. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can definitely never go wrong when you're going to have a little baseball conversation with my friend Brad Thompson. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here, and obviously we got a lot more coming up here on the show. Uh, we're going to have a, a really cool thing next up uh, that I'll tell you about in just a second, but keep in mind, next hour we've got Ozzie Smith coming up, Harrison Bader, Jason Mott, so make sure you stay with us, man. We are really busy at this time of year. Now, speaking of this time of year, it is chilly outside, and we're all dreaming of the summer months when we can enjoy some time together outside. Well, Cardinal Special Events offers all sorts of unique options for celebrating outdoors at Bush Stadium. From cocktails on the warning track to brunch in the bullpen, your group will be sure to make memories that will last a lifetime. You can visit cardinals.com slash events to find out more. Up next, we're going to remember Hall of Famer Tommy Lasorda, who passed away uh, last week and, again, one of the all-time personalities. And this isn't just going to be Tommy by himself. Tommy with Jack Buck. We'll tell you a little bit more about it when we come back here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. We continue on with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And, you know, sadly, we've spent a lot of the Countdown show here during this winter remembering people that have passed away. And, you know, we, we all... You know, feel the pain of those losses. It's it's definitely not fun to talk about the fact that these people are no longer with us, but it is great to remember them and to tell stories about them and to laugh and remember the impact that those people had on all of us. Well, Tommy Lasorda is not a Cardinals legend, uh, but Tommy is a guy that baseball fans got to know really well over the years. I mean, he spent 70 years with the, the Dodgers organization. You know, he, 
He is to the Dodgers what Red Shandienst has been over the what was over the years to the Cardinals organization, and also one of the biggest personalities in the sport. And of course, we lost Tommy at the age of ninety three last week. So as a way of remembering one of the best managers of all time, and the only manager, by the way, to win a World Series and an Olympic gold medal in baseball uh, as the manager of the 2000 Olympic team that won gold. I thought we'd bring you a little bit of history here. And this is from the 1983 Altoff High School benefit dinner that was hosted by Jack Buck featuring Tommy Lasorda. A lot of people may not be aware of that, but Jack Buck bet a lot of money on the horses. Seriously, he did. And he lost a lot of money. Serious. One night, he went to bed. He dreamt that he was flying in an airplane, and rather than people sitting in the seats that were big hats, he dreamt that he was going down the street in a car, and rather than people walking on the sidewalk, there were big hats walking. He woke up and he'd broken out in a sweat. And he said to his lovely wife, Carol, he said, this has to be a message from God telling me something. He said, I got $4,000 left. He said, I'm going out to the track. And he said, if there's a horse running called Hat, I've got to bet it. And his wife said, hey, with a dream like that, you have to do it. So he leaves the house. He comes back two hours later. He is destroyed. He's dejected. He wants to kill himself. And Carol said, what happened? He said, well, I went to the track. I bought a program. I looked in the program, he said it, there wasn't a horse running called Hat, but in the fifth race, there was a horse running called Hat Rack. I figured this is it, you put the hat on the Hat Rack. So I bet the four grand on Hat Rack to win. He said they come out of the gate, and at the first turn, Hat Rack is eight lengths out in front. He said, Carol, you know that diamond ring you wanted? He said, I knew today I was going to get it for you. So they came around a far turn. Hat Rack is nine left in front. He said they came down the stretch, got beat out at the wire by a horse, by a nose that paid 50 to one. And Carol said, what was the name of the horse that won? He said, a horse called Sombrero. (laughs) You know, when I left to come here, My wife said to me, she said, Tommy, you're not going out and speak again, are you? I said, yes, I've made a commitment and I have to go. And uh, she said, you know something? She said, being married to you for 33 years, I finally realized, I finally realized that you love the Dodgers and baseball more than you do me. And I looked at her, I said, yeah, but I love you more than I do football and basketball. (laughs) If I could have seen God one week before I got married and written down on a piece of paper what I wanted for a wife, he couldn't have given me a finer one than the one that I have. She's the greatest in the world, believe me when I tell you. And I thank God every night for her. And she knows that I go around spreading the word Dodgers in baseball, and she is very understanding about it. She's got the greatest disposition of any person I've ever met in my life. Very rarely complains. She's just happy, thank God for everything she has. Wonderful woman. But two years ago, I was speaking at a sports <laughs> banquet to a group of FBI agents, and after the dinner was over, as Jack mentioned, you know, we stood around and started telling stories. 
And as I started out of Los Angeles to drive to my home in Fullerton, as I started to turn in the driveway, I looked down and I see it's three in the morning. And I know you guys have been through this before. So as I turned in the driveway, I turned off the lights so she wouldn't see the glare of the lights. I got out of the car and I closed the car door very quietly so she wouldn't hear the noise. And I opened the front door and I started to take my shoes off so I would tippy-toe in so she wouldn't hear me. When I turned the light on, she's there. She's waiting on me. And she starts screaming at me. Where you been? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. You're out every night having a good time and I'm sitting here waiting. I said, hey, wait a minute. Just hold the phone. One minute. And I reached up into the liquor cabinet. And I drew down a bottle of vodka, which I sample once in a while. And I poured some in a glass. I said, taste this. She said, you know I don't drink. Get that stuff away from me. I said, taste it. She said, I don't want it. I said, take a sip of it. And she took a sip and she went, Wah! this stuff is terrible. And I said, see, you think I'm out enjoying myself. <laughs> Man, that is great stuff. Great hearing from Tommy Lasorda, but also in that setting. Now, reminder, next hour, we've got Ozzie Smith joining us, Harrison Bader from the current Cardinals roster, Jason Mott. So we're going to continue having fun talking ball with these guys as we get into the next hour. Uh, but I also want to remind you that part of the reason we're talking to all of those guys is that they're going to be a part of the Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up. And, of course, this year the 2021 version has gone virtual. And tickets for the virtual experiences with your favorite current and former Cardinals are on sale now. So to find out more, to sign up, to submit your questions for this, visit cardinals.com slash WWU. Stick around. Coming up next, we're going to be giving away the 2021 Cardinals calendar here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on KMOX. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. It has been a heck of a first hour, man. It doesn't get a whole lot better than starting off with Lance Berkman and then going right into BT and then hearing a little bit from Tommy Lasorda and Jack Buck. And now as we get ready for the 7 o'clock hour, um, again, Ozzie Smith, Harrison Bader, Jason Mott, Klaibs and I have a little something for you at the beginning of the hour as well. So we're having a hell of a show tonight. Hope you're enjoying it. And uh, I want to take this opportunity before we run out of time in this hour to tell you that uh, you could win a free 2021 Cardinals calendar right now. So I'm going to tell you about how to do that. So the 2021 Cardinals calendar is celebrating 12 moments, 12 epic moments in Cardinals history. And it's going to get you ready for baseball with spring training and regular season schedules included. You can get it at area grocers, at local retailers, or by calling 314-345-9000. Now, one lucky person will get a free copy of the 2021 Cardinals calendar right now. They call 314-531-1120. So the first caller, 314-531-1120, gets their free 2021 Cardinals calendar. And again, if you miss out, you can go to your local grocery store, your area retailers, or just call 314-345-9000. Stick around. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. Coming up next hour, Ozzie Smith, Harrison Bader, Jason Mott, all part of the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. One on, nobody out. The two pitch. Here he's swinging a long fly ball into left field. This is going to leave the park. This is the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron. That ball's hit deep to left. This one's going to be out of here. Get up, man. Kevin Wheeler and the Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. 
Hour number two of the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne and Kevin Wheeler with you here. And I want to remind you that while it's chilly outside now, you know, we're all looking forward to the summer months where we can enjoy time outside and do that outside stuff together. Well, Cardinals Special Events offers all sorts of unique options for celebrating outdoors at beautiful Bush Stadiums. That's cocktails on the warning track, brunch in the bullpen. Regardless of what it is, your group will be able to make memories that'll last a lifetime. Visit cardinals.com slash events to find out more. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler here. Claibs, I know uh, last hour we ran through the gauntlet. It was pretty fun hearing from Lance Berkman, Brad Thompson, and, of course, from uh, Tommy Lasorda. Uh, that that piece with Jack Buck and Bob Brigg was, was pretty entertaining. And, you know, Tommy was an entertaining guy. You know, unfortunately, he passed away at the age of 93, and, um, you know, he's not a quote-unquote Cardinals legend, but certainly a baseball legend and one hell of a personality who, who really seemed to have a connection uh, in some ways to St. Louis, doing things with Jack and kind of being – you know, I guess that's what happens when you're around for 70 years, right? You get a chance to be in a place like St. Louis a lot when you're the manager of the Dodgers and working in the front office. Well, when you think about his uh... – his relationship with Jack Buck, the late Jack Carney, yeah. uh, Charlie Gito. I mean, he had some pretty like, extended roots here in St. Louis. And, you know, when you think about him, the, the two greatest ambassadors in my lifetime for baseball were, were Buck O'Neill and Tommy Lasorda. I mean, those guys were the epitome of why you want to be a baseball fan because they could sell the game. And I don't know who that next person's going to be, because those two guys laid a pretty interesting foundation for someone to follow. But overall, I, I thought Tommy was great for the game, and he was certainly great for the Dodger organization, and, and he'll be missed uh, a great deal. I saw him a couple of years ago. His health was starting to fail, but we talked for about 10 minutes, and he was asking about this in St. Louis and that. And, you know, he, he had a real fond appreciation for the St. Louis area, and he was a big, big fan of how the Cardinals did business. So uh, we'll certainly miss him. Yeah, and, and a great storyteller, too, and it's great to hear uh, Tommy Lasorda with Jack Buck and Bob Burns. Um, hey, did you ever hear, tell, you ever hear him ahead. tell a story about the one one player that he was trying to sign when he was a scout? No. And the guy promised – he promised his mother – I mean, he had them all but done. Mother made him a nice Italian dinner, and he's sitting out on the front porch, and he said, hey, you know, this, this will be great for you. He said, well, you know, I really kind of – I kind of promised my mother I was going to try and go to college. Uh-huh. And so he said, well, okay, you, you, you'll be okay. You, you'll be a good player. It was Joe Namath. <laughs> and that was the one guy that he always regretted not being able to sign. And apparently Namath was a heck of a baseball player. Uh, but that was the one guy he always regretted not being able to sign. Can you imagine how the game would have changed Man. both sports if Namath would have ended up being a baseball player? Yeah, that's that's crazy. That that those are Those are what make – the, the all-time greats that we get a chance to talk to on a regular basis, that's what makes those conversations so much fun because there's all these little things that you just don't know until you talk to people that have been around a bit. Um, and obviously we've learned that, you know, listening over the years to Red Shandings tell stories or whomever. I mean, one of my favorite things, Claves, was a, a – God, it was, probably, it was probably eight, nine years ago now, but just sitting up in an empty booth at Roger Dean Stadium during a spring training game and Red just comes in and sits down and he's like – Mind if I join you? I'm like, no. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Let's sit around and you know talk ball. And you know, I, I think that that's something that we do well in baseball. We do really well in getting some of those stories out. 
Yeah, we're running out of the good storytellers, though. That's what I'm concerned about. Well, it's going to be up to some of the new guys, uh, like you know, guys we talked to last hour, like Lance Berkman. They're going to have to carry the weight, right? Moving forward, I those agree. guys are going to have to be the ones that do all of that. And look, you know, th- this is uh, and what. By the way, coming up in a few minutes, we'll have one of those guys here too. Ozzy Smith's going to be jumping on the show here in a few, and you know, I think Ozzy's probably got a few stories he can tell. At least one. At least one. <laughs> At least, yeah. I mean, if you're trying to figure out, I mean, when you, I guess, Claves, I mean, when you win 13 gold gloves in a row, you, you've been around a bit. And, you know, you've gotten help from some good people too, right? None of these people, no, none of these greats did it on their own. They got it from the people that came pro- before them. Yeah, I'm going to ask him if, if there was one season when he won the gold glove that stood out more than the other. I'll be interested to hear that one. Well, we definitely get some stories. So stick around later in the hour. Uh, we've got Clave's conversation with Harrison Bader. Uh, we'll also be talking to Jason Mott a little bit later on this hour. But up next, the Wizards going to join us. Ozzie Smith on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. All right, back in on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here. And Claves, we're getting ready. Uh, we're not alone in this, but all of us getting ready for the virtual winter warm-up experience this year. Very much looking forward to how all of this is going to play out starts on Friday, goes through Monday. In fact, on Monday, there's a really cool one that I think people are going to want to pay a little bit of attention to, and that has to do with our next guest. Uh, coming up on Monday at noon, the Good as Gold virtual experience featuring uh, Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, moderated by Jim Edmonds, but I saved the best for last, featuring Ozzy Smith, who joins us here on the Countdown Show. Ozzy, first of all, Happy New Year to you. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, we're doing well. We're uh... Staying safe and trying to stay out of the way. Uh, things, have, uh, things are going well. You, and, and, and this is obviously new for all of us, the, the virtual experience. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see how this is going to work, especially when you start talking about defense and, and, and the gold gloves and the accomplishments that you were able to make. And as you look back on your career, was there any one season that stood out for you? I mean, you had all the gold gloves, but was there one year that you just felt like you were in that zone? Well, Mike, it may sound funny, but, you know, I, I think every year for, every year that I had a chance to play, I, my goal was to be better than the year before. So I think that approach allowed me to go out there and continue to play at a consistent level. So I don't know if there was one year where it stood out more uh, than any other. I think when you look at some of the years, I may have had more errors in some years, but my fielding may have been better. You know, there was a couple of years where we didn't have a consistent first baseman, and I think that that kind of probably hurt myself as well as the other guys on the infield, but that's just part of the process. But because you had more errors, didn't necessarily mean that you had a bad year. could have been that, uh, you know, you, the, the, the other end of it wasn't, wasn't as good as it had been in, in other years, you know. So to, to answer your question, I don't know if there was one year that stood out defensively. I just – tried to do the best each and every year that I went out there and tried to be a little bit better than, than the year before. You know, Ozzie, that's a great point you mentioned about the first baseman. I know Mike Schilt has made a big point about pointing to that with Paul Goldschmidt's arrival. And, you know, it, I don't think it was a coincidence that the entire team's defense, but specifically the infield defense, took a big jump when a gold glover took over at first base a couple of years ago. That always makes a big difference. And, you know, I, I had to – the good fortune of having, you know, probably the, to me, and because I, I did it every day, the greatest first baseman that, that 
that I ever had a chance to play with or I watch play was Keith Hernandez. And, and I say that because playing with him every day, you know, there was a greater appreciation for someone who, over there who knew, you know, he knew his job. This guy was so good at what he did is he could take the pitcher out of bunt plays completely because he could go from first base over to the third base line to make plays. And I'm talking about making plays at every base. And if you look around today, there aren't a lot of guys who uh, play that position as aggressively and as efficiently as Keith Hernandez did. And I do believe that Keith, Keith should be in the Hall of Fame. Hey, Ozzy, you know, we, we look at guys today and we, we talk about the honor of being a gold glover. One of the things that I think everybody has in common is putting in the extra work. And mm-hmm. now we used to watch you come before and after BP. Uh, how much do you see that now? And is it about working smart compared to just working? Because you can have a guy out there taking a thousand ground balls, but if he keeps doing the same thing wrong, I'm not sure if that's going to make him a better player. That's right, Mike. And, and we've had conversations about that. Um, I've always been interested in not what the guy does at 7.05 or 7.30, 7.15, whenever the game starts. I'm interested in what he did before then. You know, what was his work ethic up until that point? Because what he did up until that point is what you get to see at 7.05 or 7.30. And you see it over a period of, of time. You know, you the great ones are ones that come out there and they give you that degree of consistency day in and day out. You know, you see it year in and year out with the great ones and, and stuff. And that was, that was the place that I always wanted to be. I wanted to always be that person that you could depend on day in and day out. You knew what you're going to get. And uh, I think I was able to do that for 19 years. You know, it's interesting, Ozzy, you and you and Jim Edmonds, obviously a big part of uh, this virtual program. You've got uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Tyler O'Neill from the active team, but your 13 gold gloves, Jim Edmonds, eight gold gloves. And by the way, those are gold glove runs that went into your guys' mid and late 30s. So how, how did the process of prep change, if it did change, you know, as you got to 35, 36, 37? It never changed. Uh, you know, I think, here again, um, the, the guys that excel are guys that have that work ethic. They don't change that no matter what. You know, I've asked the, you know, Mike asked a question about, you know, whether or not that, that changed or whether or not I had a better year. Well, you know, all of those things take care of themselves, but the process, you got to fall in love with the process, and the process is being able to go out there and take ground balls every day, be proud of being able to, to take ground balls every day knowing that over the long haul of a 19, 20-year career, that that's going to pay off. And uh, for me, that uh, that was always my approach. Uh, for all of the guys that, that like the Keith Hernandez's, the, the Terry Pendleton's, the Tommy Hers, those guys were always guys that, that worked extremely hard away from it. Back in the day, it was all about making sure that, you know, you were prepared. Success is when – Preparation and opportunity meet. Ozzy, um, 2020 was a year we all want to forget, but the one thing I don't want to forget is the loss of the Hall of Famers, uh, and we've lost already one this year. Uh, as a Hall of Famer, <clears throat> fellow Hall of Famer, for you, what was it like? Because you guys had a bond that none of us can experience or be able to understand in, in having that common bond of being a Hall of Famer. What was it like for you seeing the loss of so many people you've gotten to know? 
Well, it's very, it, it's very touch. And, uh, you know, I think that every year that you go to the Hall of Fame and you, you sit there amongst all of the games, great, the people that you've admired and people that you've grown up uh, watching, uh, it, you say to yourself, who's not going to be here next year? And you know that there may be two or three. This year was one of those exceptional years where, you know, I think we've had seven at this point. You know, there's seven people that aren't going to be there. And, of course, uh, the last time, probably all, well, two years ago now, uh, that we were all together. And, you know, it's such a great uh, fraternity to be able to share the stories and the lives and all of the things that we had gone through as players and the competition and the camaraderie and stuff that has developed through the years, um, you know, it's, it's very, dis- it, it, it hurts. It, it hurts down deep. And especially here in St. Louis, losing Lou and then Bob, not too, too far behind that was uh it was a double whammy, man. And, uh, you know, I think all of us that have been Cardinal fans uh, or played on the team, uh, you know, it, 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 it hurts down deep because you know that you're not going to have the opportunity to sit and visit with those guys anymore. Ozzy, you know, one of the amazing things about them, and we got this from so many of the current players, too, that over these generations, those two guys, and all of the, the Hall of Famers that came before that, too, obviously Stan from years back, uh, Red, and, and, of course, the living Hall of Famer like Whitey Herzog, have still impacted the current generations of players. I mean, guys like Yadier Molina and Jack Flaherty were talking about how important those guys were to them. Well, you know, having the opportunity to sit around and, and, and visit with those guys, I think it was very it was special for us here in St. Louis because we had so many guys that were still guys that we could, we could visit with. And unlike some of the other organizations that their Hall of Famers had, had, uh, had passed on, you know, so we had a chance to still visit with these guys. And I think that you, you, you realize now that they're not here. I, 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 the other thing is I think that the players of today, today's players, realize uh, they didn't take that for granted. You know, so they took advantage of being able to sit down and visit with greatness in person, one-on-one. And that, that's one of the special parts of being a St. Louis Cardinal. Absolutely. I want to remind everybody, coming up on Monday, uh, the 18th of January, if you're looking at your calendar, it's the last day of the virtual winter warm-up. Uh, Ozzy's going to be doing a great panel. It'll be at noon on that Monday with Tyler O'Neill and Paul Goldschmidt on the current roster. Jim Edmonds, who's got eight gold gloves himself, uh, is going to be moderating the event. That'll be at noon. It's called Good as Gold, and you guys can all find out more and sign up. And by the way, submit questions to everybody, too, at cardinals.com slash WWU. Uh, Ozzy, we're looking forward to that. I know I'm going to try to tune in right after the Inside the Broadcast booth one. It should be a heck of a lot of fun. Thank you for doing this. Stay healthy, stay safe, and hopefully we'll see you soon at the ballpark. Okay, guys. Thank you. The Cardinals Magazine is here. I mean, this is how you can gear up for the season with a subscription to Cardinals Magazine, your premier source for Cardinals coverage in season and out. You can sign up at cardinals.com slash magazine or call 314-345-9000. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Cardinals center fielder Harrison Bader here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Welcome back, everybody. The countdown continues here on the Cardinals Radio Network, and we have a chance to visit with Cardinals center fielder Harrison Bader. It's been a long time since we've had a chance to talk. And Harrison, I don't know about you, man, but does it seem like the offseason has lasted longer than normal? Because it feels like we haven't played a game in like a year or two. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, first of all, good to see you. Good to see you and talk to you, Clays. Yeah, it has been um, a long time. It feels a little weird. I think that was because it was just such a, uh, such a crazy season. So many things were really different. And uh, I think everybody, you know, myself included, just took like a big breather after it all um, and just kind of gathered ourselves. I know I, I spent a lot of time with my family, stayed inside, obviously, did, did a lot of things that I haven't really done in the past. And, and that kind of slowed it all down for me. So uh, I definitely feel removed from, uh, from last season. But I think that's good because, uh, you know, it's tough. So kicking things into gear here. We're, you know, a little over a month outside of, of our report dates. So, you know, it's starting to get that energy back and, and those feels back. So it's exciting, man. And, you know. So how have you spent your off season? Obviously you're a guy for people who don't know, you like to travel and spend time around the world and, and also work out. So I guess you just been relegated to working out and just getting yourself ready. What else have you had a chance to do? Um, yeah. You know, I've still, still young and I have the ability to, to be flexible in my schedule. Um, so, uh, like I said before, I, I spent my time in New York with my family for, you know, a few weeks. And then, um, once that happened, I headed out to the West coast actually and spent some time in LA. Saw Jack and I'm, I'm really based in Arizona, getting all my work in and, and doing that. So it's my first time spending an extended period of time out here since 2016 when I was in the fall league. So, you know, even in this tough, tough world where things are shut down it uh you know it's still good I still have access to a gym obviously and and, and everything I'm doing um you know about my offense and everything so um, I'm, I'm checking all the boxes man I'm, I'm having a great time out here well that's good you look great um uh, no impending announcements engagements or any of that stuff yet right no no I'm still uh I'm very not, eligible not, not in that realm yet yeah all right <laughs> I have other I have other motivations and things that we take care of. I understand. I understand. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the winter warm up, man. This is going to be different for all of us. Normally, we it's our first time seeing each other in the off season, but we're going to do it virtually this year. And uh, I was reading down a list of different activities, and I noticed that Harrison Bader is going to be one of the dress best dress. Best Dressed Birds. How about that? Best Dressed Birds. That's going to include an interesting collection that involves you, Dexter Fowler, uh, Jack Flaherty. Uh, so I've seen some of your pieces, and, and I think you certainly qualify to be in this category. I'm a little disappointed I didn't get invited because I think I could have represented the senior division extremely well. But I'm, I'm excited to see how this thing is going to turn out. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's forcing a lot of people, obviously, in the, you know, to – just to get creative. And I think that, uh, you know, anything we can do to keep the fans engaged and get them excited about everything to come uh, in the near future, I think is going to help, you know, obviously this organization and, and all of baseball, because, you know, at times it really is easy to, uh, to lose um, the understanding that man, right around the corner, we have some of the greatest entertainment and playing the greatest game in front of, you know, whether it be on a TV to start or maybe some fans in, in some capacity, but I mean, there's just so much promise and so much great stuff right on the corner. So, um, you know, I, I like the creativity involved. I'm, I'm all on board and I'm, I'm excited to, to do my part to, you know, add to that, uh, just to add to that excitement because, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, I think we're coming out of uh, some tough times and, and to kind of to do it this way is going to be nice. So I'm looking forward to it. Harrison Bader's with us on the countdown to opening day here on the Cardinals Radio Network. All right, I want to ask you a couple of questions about fashion because I, I do respect what you try and do. So give me the one go-to item if you're going to be out on a casual event, and what's the one go-to item if it's a dress event that, you, that every, every player 
every person, every guy must have in his closet? Um, I think every guy should have um, some, some really good quality hard bottoms. So some like really nice dress shoes, just something to, uh, just to look nice. You know, you, I'm, I, I wear boots at night, you know, just some nice dress shoes. Um, you know, the, what you like in the style obviously is going to differ, but I think, uh, having a really nice dress shoe is, is important for everybody's wardrobe and, uh, more on the casual side, you know, I, I like to wear t-shirts. So I think having some really good, like fitting t-shirts with some cool graphic design to kind of bring your personality out a little bit, you know, um, if we need to get formal, of course, I think it's important that everybody have a, a go-to suit. Um, and obviously I've, <laughs> we've had the ability to showcase some of those when we travel. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, I think just having, you know, it's a go-to formal if you need to kind of, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, show up a little bit. And it's always nice to look nice and present yourself nicely. So um, you never know who's watching. So I think, I think it's necessary in every every guy's wardrobe to have a nice pair of shoes. All right, who's the best dressed guy on the team now, and who's been the best dressed guy you've been around that's, that's been on the team? We're going to exclude you because I know you claim the honors of being best dressed. <laughs> Who else? No, I mean I think you know, I think Jack dresses very well. I think he, you know, has a, a certain look that he goes for that's, uh, that works for him. I think that's the biggest thing, you know. We're very fortunate to have the ability and we're very grateful for the ability to be well in this game. Um, and we're compensated, you know, as a result of it. And I think it's important that you carry yourself and, and dress appropriately. You know, it's, it's easy to kind of just get comfortable and, and choose not to. And it's fine. I mean, there are plenty of guys who don't, you know, who don't dress well. But I just know that there's just a certain perception about how you might want to be perceived and, and carry yourself. And I think the easiest way to do that is just by, you know, putting together a look head to toe that's just clean and, and presentable and, and uh, you know, kind of just accentuates your personality. So with regards to that, I think Jack does a really good job. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's some really, really, really good dresses on the team. So, um, you know, I'm sure as we move forward with the winter warm up and we kind of dive into that fashion specific uh, little event, um, I'm sure we'll kind of get into it more. So, I'll have some more for you then. All right. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, for you, it's been a busy off season, getting your head and getting your bat and getting your game right. Uh, anything else you've done that you're going to be excited to continue doing once we get into the season? Cause everybody yeah. finds a hobby or a habit. They like to, to really build on after they well, get, get <laughs> under your belt. No, I mean, you know, I, I think it's definitely important to have little, um, little outlets to kind of just, whether it be on an off day or, Maybe there's a there's a day game to just kind of keep yourself occupied. You know, I've always I've always just kind of kept my hobbies just really minimal. I don't really have too many hobbies. I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a I don't kill animals. I'm not a hunter. I, I think it's just important to just kind of use those. Whether you know, for me, it's video games. Just to kind of use those little things, just to kind of keep the hours moving. Because again, everything's got to revolve around the game. Um, everything has to revolve around your mind, your body, everything whether it be recharging, whether it be getting it going, and all has got to come back to the game. So, you know, like little things, I just play video games and, um, you know, having my family stay with me at times just to kind of, again, keep, keep the time moving to where you don't, I mean, you definitely have some separation between the two, but I don't know, man, everything, I, I'm pretty content with just playing video games on my monitor and just uh, my, my friends would attest that they, you know, I'm not the, I'm not the best Halo player. I don't know. <laughs> 
I know I'm the best Halo and Call of Duty player among my friends. So whenever they want to talk some smack, they can they can show up on the sticks. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty content with just doing that, man. I haven't really picked anything too up. I'm, I'm keeping it simple. All right. Well, keep it that way. More importantly, stay safe, my friend. I'm looking forward to seeing you in spring training and certainly looking forward to seeing you on the winter warm-up with the virtual warm-up we're going to have this year. And everybody can go online and go to cardinals.com slash WWU and they can get all the information they need to find, especially when Harrison Bader talks fashion this year at the warm-up. Hey, man, thank you so much for your time. Stay safe and uh, spring training will be here before you know it, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. There you go. Great conversation with uh, Harrison Bader and my friend Mike Claiborne here on the Countdown Show. Hey, I want to remind you, for the best baseball content and hot stove updates this offseason, you can follow at MLB on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Stick around. We're going to talk to Jason Mott, closer on that 2011 World Series team, at least toward the end. We'll talk a bit about all that and the process that got us to that point. Coming up next with Jason Mott here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. This is the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on KMOX. All right, we continue on with the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron here on the Cardinals Radio Network. Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here, and we're getting you ready for the virtual winter warm-up. It starts this Friday, runs through Monday. All kinds of great opportunities at cardinals.com slash WWU. I mean, great autographed items to bid on, 50-50 raffle tickets you can buy, but also these virtual experiences. And I'm going to tell you, the first one is coming up Friday at 6 o'clock, and it's going to be a hell of a reunion. It's going to be the 2011 World Series reunion, uh, and it's going to be featuring all kinds of cool personalities. Alan Craig, Lance Berkman, David Fries, Kyle McClellan, and more than that. And more than that includes our next guest, Jason Mott, kind enough to join us. Uh, of course, a part of the 2011 World Series team. And you can find Jason on Twitter, by the way, at jmott30 if you're looking to find out what he's up to these days. Jason, thanks for jumping on, man. How you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you all for having me on. I'm sure you might have been loosely aware of this, if not acutely, but one of the running jokes toward the end of the regular season with Tony LaRussa and all of us that were holding microphones in front of his face was trying to get him to say that Jason Mott is the closer. <laughs> he didn't want to say the words, but he kept putting you in there, and obviously we know how it went in the postseason. What, what, what was your season like when it comes to the development there? I mean, you're a guy that was clearly carrying important innings even the year before that, but you know that year as the season went along, that role got a little bit deeper and deeper into the game. I just kind of kept my mindset the same, uh, regardless of when it was, what inning it was. And my job was to go out there and get out before they scored runs. And honestly, I, I remember the day that I ended up going there and closing for the first time. Uh, like I said, we were just kind of sitting down there in the bullpen and phone rang and they said, I was in. We all kind of like looked like, uh, <laughs> okay, whatever. You know, went out there and, you know, pitch, do whatever, you know, end up getting the save. And, 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 and we were all very aware of the running joke to Tony that he wouldn't, he wouldn't name me the closer, but he was putting me in in closing situations. You know, and there's, there's a couple of pretty funny stories where I was down there late in the season. He called down in the eighth inning one time to get me going, set me down, and it was a safe situation in the ninth, but they never called back down to say, hey, you're in the ball game." So our bullpen catcher was down there, Jeff Murphy, and he's like, hey, you've got the ninth. I was like, did he say I had the ninth? And he's like, well, no. He's like, but, but, but you're the closer. I'm like, nope. I'm like, there is no way I'm standing up on that mound and, and you know, assuming that I'm going in the ball game right now. And Tony called down and be like, what you doing? So literally, he went, you know, it, it was like a standoff between me and the bullpen catcher. He's like, you better get going. I'm like, dude, I'm not doing this. Like, I'm not going to get yelled at. He already yelled at me like two days ago. Or like, you know, I'm like, no, I'm like, no shot. 
So sure enough, with like two outs, I mean, I was already loose anyway, but that wasn't the point. But um, like, like with two outs, he calls down, and he's like, what's he doing not in the game? And he's like, I told you. I was like, I know. I'm like, I'm good. So, like, you know, I got to a couple pitches, went in there, and ended up getting saved where I was at. But it was just kind of funny. Uh, and then he actually did call me the closer um, eventually, but it was after we won the World Series. He's, he's like, hey, man, you're <laughs> – you're my closer, and then two days later he retired. So uh, you know those little things. You know it, it was definitely one of those things that we were we were aware of it. Didn't really talk about it. You just kind of went out there and uh, handle our business down there. You know, Jason, closing is one of the great challenging positions in in sports, not just baseball. What's your mindset? Because you know I've talked to a lot of different guys, and they all mention the fact that you got to have a short memory about certain things. And the preparation and knowing and basically playing along and knowing who you're going to face and not making sure you give in to them compared to them having to give in to you. So what was your mindset? I tried to treat everything the same way. I tried to go out there and give everything I have. And, and I tried to treat everything the same, whether it was the seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning, one run game, three run game. You know, like I didn't want to give up a run ever. You know, I mean, I did lot but like you know it was one of those things that like I, it didn't matter to me what the situation was I wanted to go out there and get the third out before they scored a run um so you know I just try to keep my mindset the same um and you know focus on that next pitch that I was making you know those guys were up there and they they kind of knew what I was throwing and I knew that they knew so it was just one of those things that I just went out there and tried to compete um and, and execute my pitch and I try to keep it as simple as possible because you know I feel like I wasn't uh, I feel like I wasn't good enough to go out there and be like, hey, let me throw this curveball in here, let me throw this change up to this guy, let me do this. I I kind of had to go out there and focus on, hey, fastball down and away. You better get it down and away because if it's middle middle, you know these guys can hit. It doesn't matter whether it's 98 or 100 or 95. You know these big league hitters they can they can turn stuff around. So I just tried to focus on one pitch at a time and go out there and, and do what I could do. And, you know, short-term, you know, having a short-term memory is one of the things that, you know, you had to have out there. And Game six was a perfect example. You know, going out there, had a good ninth inning, went out there in the tenth inning after Freeze hit the triple and proceeded to let up a two-run home run to Josh Hamilton and give Texas the lead. You know, I literally remember sitting on the mound thinking, like, yeah, this lost World Series. I was like, wow, this is kind of bad. I was like, this kind of stinks. You know, I'm like, this is bad. But, you know, the – the umpire gave me the ball back, and, you know, my mindset was like, well, I, I can't do anything about that now. You know, all I can do is do my best to execute this pitch and get us in the dugout as fast as we can. Um, you know, and luckily I was able to do that. The next inning, Descalzo and Jay did what they did. Berkman got the blue pit, scored uh, the tying run. Westbrook went out the next inning, threw a scoreless inning, and pretty hit the walk-off. You know, but, it's you know, like I said, you got to go out there and, you got to focus on that next pitch, um, regardless of what happened the uh, the pitch before, whether it was a strike, a strikeout, a home run. You just got to lock in on that next pitch and do what you can to execute it. The entire personality of that team was a, a, an amazing thing to watch from spring training all the way through to September when we, when it became about happy flights and rally squirrels and all that. You guys had oh, yeah. really interesting mix, and it seemed like it also evolved as the season went along too. You had, you know, the Gerald Laird's and the Nick Puntos and the Schumachers and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the at that time, the younger guys, you know, the John Jays and the, the Scalzos and the Craigs. Then you had, like, Berkman and Albert and um, Yachty. But then, like, in the bullpen, we had Arthur Rhodes. We had Dotel. We had Lance Lynn, who had just came up and was just pumping heaters and, you know, 
like whatever, you know, like Mitchell Boggs down there, Zepchinski, who was just a mess, you know, um, and I'll tell him that right now. Uh, but, you know, you know, we, we just had a, a group of guys and, um, you know, it was awesome. It was awesome to be around, you know what I mean? Cause everyone, you know, kept it loose. And as we kind of kept going on in the postseason, um, I mean, we had Chris Carpenter freeze. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, uh, recall, you know I mean? Really that, you know, everyone just kind of, we all kind of came together as one. Once we kind of, you know, we had that meeting at the end of August and, uh, we were like, Hey, we better just step it up and, you know, start playing the baseball that we're capable of doing, whether we, win the whole thing or whether we end up ten and a half back like we are now you know so we we, we kind of all came together and um you know it was kind of the perfect storm with with the perfect group and it was a it was a great time and it was definitely definitely fun to be around definitely some really really good times that's the way i want to lead into friday night at six o'clock the 2011 world series reunion uh dan mclaughlin is going to be moderating this our guest jason mott going to be a part of the group along with alan craig lance berkman david freeze kyle mcclellan and maybe a couple of other special guests that end up popping in there as well. And people can find out how they can sign up for it at uh, cardinals.com slash WWU. And you guys get to kick it off. I think it's fitting, Jason, that you guys get to kick the whole thing off because 10-year anniversary is up. This is a strange, weird year, and we can bring this awesome group of personalities that won a World Series together to kick things off on Friday evening. You know, being able to get all of us together, you know, who knows that if we'd have been able to make all that work with everybody's schedules and right kids and life and you know everything like that going on right now uh but you know for us all to be able to be together and you know kind of kind of talk about our experiences and, and, and like you said the uh the group of guys that, that you guys have on there like i said it was a like i said it, it was a great group and you know thinking back of that, that it was 10 years like i said it's definitely crazy to think about but uh like i said i'm looking forward to it looking forward to talking with, with with them some more about it and seeing what danny mack and uh you know maybe some of the fans have to say about it so it'll be yeah. a good time People can submit their questions, too, at cardinals.com slash WWU. Always fun catching up with Jason Mott. I want to remind you uh, that the 2021 Cardinals Care Winter Warm-Up is going virtual. It's what we were just talking about with Jason. Uh, the tickets for those experiences with your favorite current and former Cardinals are on sale now. You can also submit your own questions. Uh, so find out more information by, and submit your questions, by the way, and sign up at cardinals.com slash WWU. It all gets started this Friday evening. All right, coming up next, we're going to wrap things up. We got one more 2021 Cardinals calendar to give away. We'll take care of business next up. It's the Cardinals countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on the Cardinals radio network. All right, so as we wind things down here, we'll take care of one more bit of business. And I want to remind you that the 2021 Cardinals calendar is going to celebrate 12 epic moments in Cardinals history. It'll get you ready for baseball with spring training, regular season schedule all included. You can get it at your area grocers and retailers, or you can call 314-345-9000. Or if you're really quick on the trigger, you can be the first caller at 314-531-1120. 314-531-1120. First caller that gets in will get their own 2021 Cardinals calendar for free tonight here on the show. Hey, I want to make sure uh, we thank everybody. Of course, Mike Claiborne, Kevin Wheeler with you here on the network. Uh, very, very thankful to have had such a great show today. Our executive producer, Ben Boyd, putting it all together. Uh, but thanks to Lance Berkman and Brad Thompson and Ozzie Smith and Harrison Bader and Jason Mott for their time. Uh, also want to remind you again, cardinals.com slash WWU so you can sign up for one of these great virtual experiences. And they go start on Friday evening with the 2011 uh, reunion. And they go all the way until uh, Monday evening. 
Uh, the last one Monday evening will be the one Brad Thompson's doing with Paul DeYoung in the kitchen. So all kinds of cool personality features. Uh, obviously, some real hardcore baseball talk as well. Uh, again, cardinals.com slash WWU. Many thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week here on the Cardinals Countdown to Opening Day Show, presented by Amron on the Cardinals Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.